Greetings, greetings, everyone. And this is Griffin Gaming RPG. Griffin Gaming RPG. <laughs> Welcome to the Soul Citizens. And we are back again for another week of fun-filled entertainment. And we have a big show today. Today's show is actually entitled Darby Wales here. Darby Wales here. And we have a great group of people to talk about uh, what it means to spend a certain dollar amount of money into Star Citizen. And so all of our guests who are here, who are all muted, it looks like, uh, who can unmute probably, <laughs> uh, are here to be able to share with you guys and talk about this subject. Uh, and uh, first off, I'm going to introduce everybody. Uh, right below me is Seer the Sixth. Seer, tell everybody a little bit about you. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, as Griffin said, I'm Sir the Sixth. I am a, a YouTuber, and I base a lot of my stuff on my job in real life. I've been in aerospace for eight years, and I've worked on the MV-22 Osprey in the Marine Corps. I worked on the 737 Max and NG, and I work on the, the Air Force's new tanker. So I like to take things that I've learned through the, the years and Star Citizen and try to translate into something people can understand how I like to interpret it. So you can check me out on YouTube. No, that's pretty much it. And check him out. He is on Citizen Spotlight this month as the guy who's been spotlighted. He did an awesome video yeah, yeah. on the Prowler. Yeah. Check it out. Very, very cool. Congratulations again, Seer. It was really great work. Uh, I'm next, surprised. <laughs> surprised. Uh, below him, we have uh, Tenth Sigma. Tenth, it's on you, brother. Yeah, uh, I'm Tenth Sigma. Um, I uh, bounce around Twitch a lot, um, streaming here and there, mainly working with uh, Vector27 and Channel 27 News. And um, uh, my deal is uh, I'm a money manager in real life, so I kind of approach that to uh, take that approach in game. So you, you might hear me talk a lot about the uh, accounting app or the uh, player trading app, which I've been longing for. That's coming up soon. So um that's my deal, and uh, I love bouncing around these uh, these shows and the podcast and and talking about Star Citizen. I backed in uh, 2014, uh, so it's been it's been a little bit. And Tenth and I are brothers in the fact that we both love luxury ships and Origin. So how could I forget? What uh, what Absolutely. else can we say? That, that look at look at Sear shaking his head. All right. <laughs> anyway, your pages got dropped, bro. All right. Next, we're gonna move on. I don't know what happened. Sir. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna move on to our guests we have two special guests here by the way uh, i know some of you saw that that richard i'm sorry not richard clifford aka miku was going to be on the show today he had uh, something come up where he couldn't be on so he apologized we're sorry we're not seeing him because many of us who've known clifford for a while uh we haven't seen him for a while but he's still out there he still loves star citizen uh and we took a rain check with him hopefully he'll come on on another day but we do have two other great guests uh first one is Loic Ferris. Loic, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Griff. Um, well, so my my real life identity, I work uh, I work in IT. I'm a, a bit just guess an IT manager. Uh, I was a Unix engineer for years, and then I got to to create my own little group of goons and and uh, you know try to take over the the world. Um, Let's see. So, you know, my background, what's actually kind of funny about that is uh, whenever they talk about uh, server-side OCS, I, I kind of know exactly what they're talking about. And I know how that tech works in many ways, um, not exactly how they're implementing it and whatnot, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to understand what kind of uh, uh, strides they're trying to make in the future. Um, 
And then uh, outside of the IT world, uh, I'm a YouTuber. We have a, my family and I have a family vlog and I've got uh, a gaming channel that I, I dabble in and, and a presence on Twitch as well. And as you guys can all see, member of Test Squadron. And he's got a great bathroom voice. If you notice that, he can sing in the shower. He's got a great voice. Yes, I can. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, uh, someone who I'm getting to see for the first time, and I'm really excited to have him on the show, and that is Scaro. Scaro, welcome to the show. Tell everybody a little bit about you. Yeah, uh, I'm Scaro. I'm from Vector27 as well. Uh, don't get on camera much to do these sorts of things. I do uh, production sides of things, and I... Uh, I work with 10th over there. We we kind of run that thing over there together. So super happy to be here. It's going to be fun. Yep. Scaro is a talented, talented producer. Don't let him fool you. He's very modest, but he does great work. And uh, both of you guys, uh, Loic and Scaro, we appreciate you guys dropping in on the show with us on a Sunday evening. Sundays are kind of tough because those are good family days, but we appreciate the fact that you guys have found time to be here. Um, let's jump into it, guys. Uh, I want to show a, a quick meme and I'd love to get your reaction to it. Let's see if we can get that up on the screen real quick for you. Anybody that wants to respond to that, feel free. Is that familiar? <laughs> uh, uh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> and I'm sure there are some people that, in our audience <laughs> that can identify with that meme, right? Uh, and, and this is a part of our subject for the show today uh, is talking about uh, and and I, I shared this with our guests and, and our other um, our special guests that are on the show. There's been a lot of statements made about people who have spent money on Star Citizen, uh, people who have backed it. And I'm not talking about people who back at a much more modest amount of money, but people who may spend three digits, four digits, maybe even five digits uh, on the game. And we always have heard criticisms about it, but we've never given those people an opportunity or a platform to express why they feel that something like Star Citizen, a video game, uh, should get that type of money and what has motivated them to do it. So it's gonna be kind of a free conversation, uh, but I'm gonna start out with 10th, uh, since you are on the bottom left for no other reason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about how you got into Star Citizen. What was the first thing you purchased and what made you continue to purchase into the game? Yeah, so um, 2014, November, uh, I had just got done um, seeing some information about this new game, Star Citizen, and I, I was in EVE at the time, um, and uh, saw, saw, like, I forgot what it was. I mean, it might have been, like, a, I don't know where I saw it, but um, it, it might have been an article somewhere, and jumped in, and I thought this was amazing, but what really... Uh, put me over the top was when I went to go purchase my first ship at that time, they had the, uh, the 300 series was a starter pack. And so, um, when I jumped in and they had a brochure, like when you, like when you would <laughs> see, when you go to like buy a car or mm -hmm. get sold something and they had like scoped this whole thing out. And this particular ship, um, was kind of different from the, uh, typical spaceship right like your fighters and you know your bombers and that kind of thing um but this was a more of a luxury ship i was sold like immediately because it, it to me it it communicated um that this game was going to try to accomplish um more inside of the verse than any other game um and so uh back to 2014 with a 300i me and my wife so my wife has a starter package as well um 
and that that's <laughs> that was when um you know we, we stopped playing for a little bit we bought it and then you know you can only look at your ship for a while i guess you know um and jump into uh, you know the the hangers and whatnot uh but when you know the the patches started rolling forward and there was more to do that's when we started to play the game a little bit more um and we started, like, I, I got a quick question uh, for you when yeah. you say your wife got in it, was she into gaming one? Was she into space gaming two? Or did you actually have to coax her a little bit to get her into it? No, no coaxing, no coaxing. She was into gaming. Um, she was actually, she's actually more into FPS than I am. FPS okay. shooters than I. Yeah, am. I know she's a Call of Duty oh, chick. I know that for oh, sure. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah for okay. Sure. And she's, uh, she's been that way before we got married. But, um, but this particular game, um, she had tried to play eve and she she was playing eve with me for a while um but it just wasn't it, it didn't have uh really what she wanted out of it so she backed off so this was a new wave to say hey this is a new game called star citizen like uh, it's going to be way different just look at all they're offering and she was sold like that and so we bought two packages um and you know you fast forward you know what five years now um six years now um that the um we started streaming and we started figuring out uh how to really play the game with other people and that's when the bug that's when we got we got hit with the bug. so what made you start buying more ships though i mean you could have been at the starter package and stayed there like a lot of folks and say hey i'll wait to see when this game is done what made you continue to yeah. purchase and and by the way I, I this is a disclaimer myself uh and and tenth and loic have spent uh less than ten thousand dollars let's just say that but we're over five thousand dollars so that gives you guys a window of where we are with our There's opportunity for growth right <laughs> thanks for the curse scaro we really appreciate it needed to hear that um yeah, yeah, yeah. so 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 i want to move to that uh tent what made you start yeah. to you know really put more into it uh oh black intellect thank black you intellect. for subscribing way to go we appreciate that man okay um, what, what made me start going forward with more ships? Um, I think what made me start, what made both of us start going forward with more ships was, um, the fact the, uh, that the, the careers inside of the verse start to take form a little bit more, um, and the offerings for those. So for instance, my wife is firmly in, uh, there she is there, Dr. Mysteria, um, firmly in the medical field. So she wants to do anything that is related to um, medicine and that kind of deal in game healing and whatnot. Um, so she looked at, um, you know, she has the the red, but she has the the Apollo and a couple other ships. She has can't think of all of them right now. Uh, the Endeavor, I believe. And um, is that what is, it, it starts to take uh, form around interests? Right. Okay. Uh, for me, inside of the verse, um, I want to pick up ships that would uh, advance how I make money inside of the game uh, and uh, beef up revenue channels. So um, if a ship comes out and I'm looking at all these types of offerings, I'm thinking, how is it going to um, aid in creating some kind of revenue stream, whether that's curring or mining or some security or whatever the case would be um but i can't i can't forget my luxury ships though like I, I, I origin was my first was my starter ship you know so kind of going forward from there from the 300 
all the way to the 890, uh, that was something I, I wanted to have inside of the verse. So uh, it really came down to want and, and kind of was undergirded by this fact of what we actually do inside the verse. So uh, that's what, that was the bug that we got. And we've, uh, like Scarra said, we, uh, we, we've come this far and still have a little, little bit of ways to go. So okay. show uh, us EPA luxury ship, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Zidian, thank you for the follow and the raid. Vanity, thank you for the follow as well. So you are the one guy that that meme didn't apply to, right? I mean, you basically, right. a, a mooks, thank you for the follow. So you're the one guy who's got I the mean, wife into it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, Loic, let's, uh, oh, let me throw this question out to everybody before I move on to, to Loic. Um, you mentioned, Tenth, about the brochure, right? How many yeah. of you guys admittedly are suckers for the marketing? I mean, does the does the brochure get you or the commercials or are you strictly you you're you're you've got your head screwed on right and you and you buy it for the right reasons or you back for the right reasons anybody guilty of that yes loic you are <laughs> in what, what I appreciate in, the effort that goes into it seeing as how this is a game but they try to make it feel like real life marketing real life mm. luxury ship brochure luxury vehicle brochure i really yeah, appreciate yeah. that that effort goes into it yeah and and but, i if the ship doesn't fit a role for me, then that's that's not a reason to get it. Okay, okay. I've, I've made this confession before that, like you, whenever I've purchased something, it's always been, one, backing the project, and then two, is it something I feel I could, you know, do in the game. But there's one ship that that rule did not apply to, and I hate to say it, I was at VerseCon in Austin, and I was sitting there, and the 600i commercial came on, and it literally... <laughs> When the violin started playing, my wallet just started floating right out of my pocket on its own. And I, it was it was a beautiful commercial. It was just put together well. You don't even see the ship until the last like 10, 15 seconds and it just blasts off. And I was like, I don't care if that sucker's empty, I'm buying it. So I will say I was vulnerable one time oh, where I purchased something strictly because the marketing and, and, and they have slick marketing. I have to give them credit. It's Ooh. very slick. It's put together well. The brochures are laid out in such a way as you mentioned, Scarrow that literally, like you were at a car dealership, you know, you, you really do get that feel from it. So anyway, Loic, I'm gonna jump up to you, buddy. Let's talk about it. How'd you get into it? And uh, what made you start to escalate it? Well, um, so a buddy of mine back in 2013, uh, he and I were having a conversation. We we had played uh, Star Wars Galaxies together and we flew together and jumped to light speed and we had a bunch of fun and they used to call them POB ships, people on board. Uh, so we had our YT-1300, our YT-2400, the big, huge, BB-looking mining ship. And we just kind of missed that because Star Wars Galaxies kind of, uh, you know, went south. And then the game was eventually canceled. We tried EVE, but there was just no connection with the ships in EVE. And so it just kind of fell off of that and started playing things like World of Warcraft and, you know, the, the for lack of a better way to put it, the more generic MMOs. Um, so he tells me about this project. And... Um, you know, Star Citizen this, Star Citizen that. And he's like, yeah, it's being developed by this guy, Chris Roberts. And that's what got me to perk up. I went, wait a minute, who? Well, um, I worked one summer, 12 hours a day for two and a half months to buy my first computer when I was 13 years old. And it was a 286 uh, that we, by, by uh, Packard Bell, and when I bought that computer on base with my dad, we also picked up a copy of Wing Commander, produced mm -hmm. by Chris Roberts. 
And that just started the whole thing. So I played Wing Commander, Wing Commander 2. I mean, every game Chris Roberts came out with, basically, he was a video game god. It was just like, Chris Roberts, I want it. So, of course, you know, the 13-year-old in me came back out when my buddy mentions Chris Roberts. And the first thing I do is I dive right in and look at the packages and I see the 300 series. Um, immediately fall in love with the ship. And then he goes, oh, hey, there's a commercial. Well, he, he knew how to play my emotions, speaking of the marketing here, because I am a huge luxury car fan to, to my own detriment. Um, about uh, 12 years ago, I saved money for 10 years prior to that so I could buy a brand new Mercedes. And it was the most irresponsible financial decision I ever made, but at least I can say I got one. Every, every other one I've bought used. Um, the commercials for the for the Origin series ship, especially that 300 series, was written and filmed very much like a BMW or Mercedes-Benz commercial. And yeah. so I watched that commercial over and over and over again, and my son would watch it with me, and my daughters would roll their eyes, and my <laughs> wife would just go, you're off in the clouds, and all of that fun stuff. And finally, I bought a, a 325, well, 300 series, and then I upgraded it to the 325A mm. starter pack. Um, said marketing got me again with the Super Hornet. I watched that commercial probably about a thousand times. Um, and then I got roped into the next great starship. I really wanted the Origin Boom Slang to win. But mm. when the Redeemer won, I thought, you know, it's a groovy looking ship and maybe I'm a little bitter. Mm. But I bought the Redeemer. So those were my three ships that, and that was the end of my purchasing in 14. And then I, um, I got, you know, like everybody else, tired of, of walking around my hangar for hours on end and just drooling. Um, so I came back, uh, almost 18 months ago, uh, because I ran into a Montoya video where he was reviewing the 600i and the level of detail in the ship. Well, that got me back into the game. And a week later, I bought a 600i off the gray market. <laughs> so, um, the irony is that marketing outside of this game and automobiles is completely lost on me. Um, I don't buy microtransactions on anything. And then there's Star Citizen. Yep. I just, it, it's, it's commercial to me is nothing more than an interruption of what I want to do with my time. <laughs> and, but when it comes to Star Citizen, it's like, they've got the magic formula. And all of a sudden it's like, whoosh, here we go. We've got them. Um, so I have a picture of my fleet here because it's easier for me to explain why I've bought what. Um, so some of it is admittedly the commercials, but they at least have somewhat of a use. And then some of it is uh, just because it's pretty. And admittedly, that's where the 890 jump fills. It's, it's that little role play aspect of, you know, we've been out there doing stuff for a while and it'd just be nice to have a really pretty ship. And if luxury gameplay is, is that great, then that'd be fantastic. Um, uh, my fleet's very round or, or rounded in that I've got, a couple of exploration ships, a couple of cargo ships, some combat ships, uh, cargo ships from the Freelancer Max all the way up to the Banu Merchantman, uh, exploration uh, ships uh, like the Endeavor Master Pack. Um, uh, today I fly my Caterpillar pretty often, mining ships like the Mole and the Prospector, and, and I have a feeling an Orion's going to be added to the fleet here very soon. <laughs> um, uh, Reclaimer and... Uh, the prospect, or sorry, reclaimer and the the vulture, um, uh, you know, a uh, I'm up looking at my list here, um, Mercury Star Runner. I mean, you know, 
anybody who's ever watched Star Wars has got to have the Mercury Star Runner. Though it's ironic because while a lot of us might identify with uh, Han Solo, I, I identify a little bit more with Lando because Lando's got that class. He's got that taste, you know, where Han trashed the Millennium Falcon. Lando would have fixed that thing up and he would have made that thing beautiful and it would never have had a stain on the carpet. Um, and that's really more my style. It's like my, my wife jokes with me because I go into her car and when I open the passenger side door, all this garbage starts rolling out of the seat. You know, and then she looks at me and she says, well, I'm sorry that my my car isn't as clean as yours is. I mean, you could do surgery in the backseat of your car and they wouldn't get an infection. It's like, damn right. I keep my car clean. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you you still see yourself as being even at this stage. And I mean, we're looking at your fleet now. It's pretty impressive. Are you still uh -huh. thinking that that could go further even at this stage? And, and I'm saying that in light of you do have a pretty balanced group of ships here. Um, is what, what does it take you at this stage to say, I'm going to spend more money? So two things. I mean, I, I'm an eighties kid, Gen X, right? I mean, I grew up watching Star Trek, the original series in there the, when they were doing the movies and I watched, uh, Star Trek, the next generation. And so that fantasy, when you're a sci-fi geek as a kid, it's to live in space, it's to live on a spaceship and, um, you know, I was jealous of every kid my age who got to be on that show going, damn it, you know, wish I could have done that. <laughs> so I half the time, like the 890 is an example. It's just, it's a ship that I look at and I go, I could picture living in this. And there is this geeky side of me that could picture our, you know, doing a little RP in that. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that's a hook. Another one is just really um, w where it fits. Um, you know, if, if there's a cargo ship that I feel fits a niche that I think I'm going to play and I'll do it. That The Banu Merchantman was part of that as I was looking at the whole series. And then I had mm -hmm. a conversation with uh, a friend of mine who commented, you know, look at the BMM because you can land it and it holds a fair amount of cargo uh, that's uh, somewhat comparable to the whole sea. And I thought, you know, that's, that's a good idea. And that's how I wound up with that. Mm -hmm. um, so in this case, when I think of the Orion, I think to myself, well, you know, I've, I've got low end and medium end mining. Well, why not swallow up an asteroid field, you know? Um, so I could see it expanding in that regard. And, and I don't know, it's just, I'm, I'm always open-minded about it. It's like, what, what's the next loop? What could we do? Or what could they, they do that might be fun? Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, I guess I'm the next guinea pig uh, here. That's in the category that we're talking about. Um, this is the fleet that I have now. Um, this is actually a com combination of two accounts i have one account that is what i call my working account it's the main account i started with originally i had a secondary account because when i played eve i would run two accounts i would and i was really into mining so i would do um mining with one character and the other character would be hauling stuff back and forth to the bases and when i came into star citizen i kind of still had that mentality uh then ultimately i started realizing you know i'm in a big orc i got plenty of people that can help me i don't need to do that um, I asked CIG, uh, what I, I gifted some of my ships over to my main account and I asked CIG, is there any way possible that some of the rest of my ships could be merged? Uh, they said, no, right now we're not able to do that. Um, and so what I did was I liquidated everything that was in that account into credits. And strangely enough, by the time I liquidated what was left in my secondary account, I was about a hundred bucks short of buying an 890 jump. And so me being the luxury knucklehead that I am, I knew that the 890 was supposed to be coming out within a few weeks and it did. 
I didn't get it at the $600 price, but I did get it at the $950 price. And then I decided to say, I'm going to make my secondary account all luxury. So it became not only an 890, but it became a 600i, it became a 300i, it became everything that was luxury in the game is in that account. And my main account funds that account. So as you guys know anything about luxury ships and yachts, you don't make money on them. They're nothing but they just do nothing but eat money. So <laughs> hence a tenth your app that's coming in for transferring funds, that's exclusively to fund my luxury account. Um, <laughs> I have to tell that story because I want you to know that is a combined account. Um, I got started uh, similar to many of you guys. I was in Eve, a friend of mine uh, told me about this game that was being developed by Chris Roberts. I had literally forgotten about Chris. I grew up in that era when he was the, when he was the man for making space Sims, but I had literally forgotten about him. And it wasn't until I came in and I, I think it was maybe 2013 because I came in right after the original push and I started like doing a little research on it. I saw this thing about backing and crowdfunding, which was all new to me in relation to games. So I held back a little bit. And I think it was early 2014, I bought my first ship. And the first ship I bought was an Avenger. I bought the Avenger because it reminded me of the space shuttle. The whole black and white penguin thing reminded me of that. And so I, I entered in there. Um, but then I think I either watched, it was either Gamescom or one of the packs, or it might've been even CitizenCon that year. And once I started seeing the full potential of what the game could be. I hate to say it, but I went from a $60 Avenger stalker or whatever the thing was called back then uh, to a Constellation Andromeda because I liked the idea right. of multiplayer and being able to play with other people. Uh, that just really stuck out to me. Uh, I didn't know how it was going to happen because if you guys remember back then, the tech wasn't even there. We just heard that it was going to happen. Uh, next thing you know, we see this demonstration of people walking around on a Connie and you know, doing all this EVAing and I was, I was sold. I've done my best to try to be as disciplined as possible to consider when I am buying something that it's backing the game. And so my thing has been incremental over the last six years in the sense of how I've been contributing to the game. Uh, in each year, the more I see, I'm more convinced that they're able to do what they can do. That's also kind of motivated me to continue supporting the project. And I think everybody here will tell you uh, that we try to tell people, I know in Test Squadron, when people come in talking to us about buying ships, we try to tell them don't buy ships. We tell them there are plenty of people here that will let you use their ships. Just let us know. We'll pull it out for you. And, and then if you really know that you want to spend that money, do it because you're backing the game. And so I still try to live by that, except for when I bought the 600i. That, forget that. That was, that was in the bag. But outside of that, <laughs> I've really done my best to try to be very disciplined about the purchases. And I think someone said this earlier, it might have been you, Skyro, or it might have been you, Seer. Someone said that this happens over time. It's not like you just wake up in the morning and say, oh, I'm going to spend $1,000 on a ship. You know, it, it doesn't happen that way. Um, even though there are some people who have the capability to do that, as we've seen from Javelin sales, <laughs> where people just go and drop three grand on a ship out of nowhere. Uh, but mine was definitely over time. The one advantage I had, and I don't know if any of you guys did this when we had last year's expo, uh, when they did the 10-year insurance, I was able to liquidate almost everything I had and buy it back with the 10-year that wasn't LTI. Did any of you guys do that? Pop Circus, thank you for the follow. Did any of you guys take advantage of that last year when the 10-year uh, insurance came up, or is all your stuff LTI? Uh, it's all, most of my stuff is LTI. Yeah, LTI. You guys are all LTI? Okay, what I also did was, and this was for the single ships that I had, 
I also talked to my good buddy, Ops Chief, who talked to me about, he had a spreadsheet that I think, was it Fast Card? Somebody put together a spreadsheet that said, if you buy this package, this is how much money you'll save versus if you buy them individually. I'm sure some of you guys have seen that spreadsheet. And I ended up saving like three or 400 bucks when I went to packages. So I basically consolidated all these ships into two packages. And then the rest of them, like the luxury ships aren't in packages, but all the other stuff is. And so I was able to save a tremendous amount of money even being able to do that. So that was kind of what got me to where I am now in the game. I do have a mixture of, and my feeling has always been that I want to be able to, if I get tired of doing something, I want to be able to just change gears. I want to be able to do it. If I get tired of running ambulance runs, if I say, eh, let me go do some mining. I just want to be able to go do that, you know, uh, whether it's as an individual or with a group of people. So that's it for me on that. Um, let me go to the next person who we have to give a little bit of a congratulations to because he crossed a threshold during Invictus. Uh, Brother Seer here, who got his F8. And for those of us who know what that means <laughs> in the game, it means that he has, he has hit the $10,000 mark. So I'm not sure how much he's got, but anyway, we won't talk about that, but we will talk about the fact that he has moved into a different bracket. Uh, and let's talk about something about that bracket. In the early days, uh, spending $5,000 on a video game would have been considered a whale. You guys agree with that? In the early, early days, if you spend five grand on this game, that was considered a whale. Um, then it moved to about $10,000 in the game. And I think some of it moved because of the way it was structured. Uh, if you spent $10,000, and this was if you bought like at 10,000, that worked your way up to it. If you spent, dropped 10 grand, you were able to get in what was called the Million Mile High Club. And that was something that some people aspired to. Some people got there over time. Um, and then one of the other things you got when you got to $10,000 was you would be able to get a civilian version. Is it civilian version? A civilian version of the F8. Of the F8? Yes. Okay, civilian version of the F8. Later, that was changed a little bit. So now in order to get in the Million Mile High Club, you have to be at $15,000, if I'm not mistaken. And at $15,000, you get a second F8, which is called the Executive Series. It's a black and gold version of that same ship. So, Seer, you've been in the game, but you've been in the game shorter time than most of us, right? When did you get into Star Citizen? 2014. Okay, oh no, so you're about the same time. Okay, for some reason yeah. I thought you were like 15, 16. Okay, give us a little bit about you. How did you get into it and what made you start to follow the okay. yellow brick road? So I'm going to get a lot of <laughs> flack for saying this. I'm going to be a little bold, but uh, yeah, I was um, I was a 90s baby. So my my whole thing was is that I grew up right so right outside of, um, and I grew, up, I grew up right outside of Edwards Air Force Base, and that's, uh, that's the Air Force's, one of their main uh, flight test facilities. It's like, Next to Palmdale and Plant 42, they have a lot of experimental aircraft that go in and out. So my thing was growing up, I had the luxury, I should say, because we live in the middle of nowhere, to see the space shuttle land all the time when they couldn't land in Florida. And my my house was positioned right over the flight pattern for most of the the larger larger um, aircraft because they got to come in from a different approach pattern in order to make the proper uh, proper glide slope. Anyway, so like. I would be six, seven years old, hear a double sonic boom, and I would see a white little dot, just just the space shell doing its glide pattern, then coming in right over my head to Edwards for its final landing all the time. And I was like, me growing up, oh, I want to be an astronaut. Like I love space and all that. And I would, I got into Star Wars. I I grew up loving Star Wars. Saw them the correct order, which was episode four, five, and six, you know, <laughs> and then <laughs> so that that that's my pet peeve when people say, "Oh, let's watch one through six. I'm like, what? No, 
four, five, six, one, two, three. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I I also got into Eve. I got into Eve at a very young age. I think I was like a freshman in high school when I started playing Eve, which was like I was playing with a bunch of people I didn't know about and stuff, and I was that idiot that um that would get like the little your a cargo ship and put a little tier one mining laser on it and go mine an asteroid because I didn't know what I was doing. I was that idiot. So uh, I got into all that and then. Let's jump ahead. Um, I I heard about it with my old TeamSpeak group, uh, Corporate Legion. We played a lot of Planet Side back in the day, and Planet Side Two. Still love those games. Again, sci-fi. And uh, one of my buddies was like, "Hey, Siri, you love aerospace and all." And and I was in uh, tech school learning about the V twenty two when he was uh, telling me about um, Star Citizen. So I watched uh, I watched the three hundred I commercial, and I was like, "Oh, cool." And then I saw Level Cap Gaming's uh thing about star citizen and i saw him go around the 300i and stuff so i took a look and i ended up buying a space penguin i think two or three days later that was my first ship and then it ended up being a gladius next then the vanguard warden original concept and then i think i took a break because like all you gentlemen said you there's only so much you can drool over when you have a hanger and then mm -hmm. after that i ended up getting a retaliator because it reminded it personally ran me of the b1b and the B1B was another one of those uh, bombers that I saw fly around mm -hmm. at Edwards a lot when it was uh, doing wing sweep and going yeah. supersonic. So I was like, oh, I want one. So I ended up getting one of those. But if you want to pull up my fleet, it just, I think I took a break after that because, I mean, I just got swarmed with the fact that I was uh, I was still learning my, my job and everything. And um, so I think I took a break and I just played here and there, but I really got back into the game once I once i got out of the military and it, what got me back into it was i was at work and i saw the commercial for the anvil valkyrie and my whole thing with star citizen is i love combat logistics i love the whole logistical thing again i i'm, I'm sorry i reference this a lot but um the the v22 was a was a troop transport it was a more of a logistical platform instead of a combat platform like your like the the your cobras your hueys your the harrier those are more of a combat aircraft this was more mm -hmm. of just we're going to transport the angry grunts to the front lines instead of <laughs> just uh doing all that mm -hmm. so anyways um when i saw the valkyrie it immediately popped in my head like oh my gosh <laughs> finally a, an actual troop transport that i can get my head around and then i got that and i got an aa cyclone at the time and then it really it really went downhill from there and that's when i finally got active again and i started my youtube channel and i was going around just figuring out all these ships and stuff and as you can see in in my fleet i i basically i base most of my fleet around industrial and combat logistics which is why i have things like the orion and the pioneer for i you know if you want to build bases you need to have the ore and that kind of stuff and then i want to be that support role because i believe that if to win battles there has to be that some but that person behind the scenes that's making that magic happen which is why i have things like the the crucible and i have things like the nautilus for um for in my case i wanted the nautilus for something to i i wanted a corvette but i didn't want a attack corvette so the only kind of support corvette i that made sense for me was the nautilus because i could kind of compromise trade routes or compromise an om marker or whatever i wanted to and because it's kind of cool to have a size 7 turret and uh and then everything else is more of just um i wanted to kind of reach out and do all the other gameplays but not in the professional role hence why i don't have something like a reclaimer but i have something like the um the medivac so i i like doing what i do in real life back in the military and back now 
which is being a technician and a repair technician stuff. And I like to do that kind of stuff in game. So I'm really looking forward to repair and drones and that kind of stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like a diehard nerd. I, so <laughs> you're you a bad stuff. mamma jamma, Jack. You got three star lifters there, man. I ain't okay, seen so many people that have all three of the star lifters, Jack. Good, That's pretty serious. <laughs> it, it, it's funny you say that because I have a buddy at work who's just getting into star citizen mm -hmm. and I'll be on my computer and he'll be like and he'll um we have business skype and he'll be like sear and i'll be in the middle of a uh, working on paperwork i'm like what give me your a2 i'm like no i'm not giving you my a2 stop asking me for it he's like please you don't need all three and i'm like yes i do the c2 is for cargo hauling m2 is for actual uh combat dropping off a tank and the a2 is for when shit hits the fan like seriously like i have a legit reason for all of them you're not having my star lifters and like, I mean, it reminds me of the C-17 as well. And I love mm -hmm. the C-17. So I have all of Crusader industry ships. So that's when you and 10th were like all origin. I'm like, nah, man, it's all about mm -hmm. Crusaders. Yeah, all I, I did. No, I did Crusader. I'll give you that. <laughs> I, I will. I will give yeah, you that. Yeah. Let me ask you something else, though, Sierra. When we talked about who's been affected by marketing, you very quickly shook your head like, uh-uh, not me. What is it that helps you define when you do spend money on the game? It's when there's something that makes sense for what I want to do, then I spend money in the game. Because uh, to be fair, the marketing is a very important aspect of the game because that's how they're able to get people like us. It's it's a it, it's very interesting with the psychological aspect of how they do their marketing. Mm -hmm. But then you have issues, and since I'm an info runner, we we talk about this a lot. It's things in the marketing when when. You read the brochure, Perceptions Reality. You think, okay, if it's in the brochure, they mean X, Y, and Z. And you develop your own perception of what you think the ship really does. For example, when the Starfare and the Starfare Gemini came out, we were told, and I'm pretty sure, and you own, I saw that, Griffin, you own a freaking Starfare, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure you understand what I'm saying. It talked about the fact that you were able to um, you refine hydrogen and quantum fuel and we thought you were able to gather or obtain both through the mm -hmm. use of the ship. And then last January, ho -ho, right. that's when Chris Roberts came into that one thread and said, hey, guys, by the way, you're not going to be able to get gather quantum uh, matter mm -hmm. or whatever on your own uh, through the ship. You have to go get it yourself, then throw it in the ship, and it caused mm -hmm. this huge uproar. And everyone's like, but the brochure said this, the brochure said, said this. And I even was like, what? Mm -hmm. What? That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And And so... That's when I was like, you know what? I am done with the stupid brochures because every time I read a brochure or we all read a brochure, we get this idea in our head and then we think this is the way. And then Chris Roberts comes in and comes in and gives us the Chris Roberts special and says, no, this is the way. And mm -hmm. we're all like, wow, really? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I just look at it from a different approach. I just look at what the, what they say the, the, the ship has and what the main role is. And then I base my judgment off of it like when the aries starfighter came out i based it off i didn't like the vanguards anymore because i didn't like the direction they came with it so i got the aries to be a true heavy fighter because in my head they're good at what they do instead of the vanguards which is they're a heavy fighter but they're more modular in a sense so you're sacrificing that fine-tuned uh capability for a more multi-role aspect so like i read the brochure but i just right. I'm like nope I, I get all the data, then I make an analysis off of it. And, and, and to your point, I think that you have to think about not just in relation to Star Citizen, but marketing in general is designed to get you to buy something, right? And Star Citizen has all of these disclaimers, these little small lines that you can barely read or that they're at the end of the contract that say 
these things are subject to change or this can, you know, this doesn't mean that this is going to be it. And we hear it all the time, but we do become victims of, you know, that instant sale thing. When we see it, uh, it, it, it draws us in, we get pulled in. And uh, sometimes we don't even care. Like we don't even wait till the Q&A comes out, right? I mean, as soon as it's out, we're just ready to buy it because it's something like you said, we've already pictured how we can use it. And, I, and one of the things that we have to be careful about is that dynamic of theory crafting. As fun as it could be, there's nothing written in stone in Star Citizen, right? I mean, absolutely no. nothing. And so when people get into these huge arguments about what something does and doesn't do or can and cannot do, I'm like, listen, save your blood pressure pills for later because right now is not even the time to get into <laughs> half of these arguments. Um, but but yeah. I do appreciate the fact that you try to keep some clarity about why you spend money. Um, and, and I do want to, before we get to Scarrow, I do want to talk about most of you. Do you feel that you're at the place where you're pretty content with what you have? Or do you feel like there's still something else I want? It, it, where are you guys at right now? Anybody can answer that. I mean, I'll, I'll start by saying that I, um, my, my fleet as it stands now is I, I like where it's at. Um, I think for, uh, I, I'm with you, Sierra. I think the, the thing that you always have to do is consider why you want to have a ship. I think everybody here was kind of alluding to that earlier. I think the, the cool thing about the brochures is that you hadn't seen this before in any kind of project, like any type of, type of mm -hmm. game project where they kind of create some collateral based on the end game thing. It, 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 it brings a level of immersion that um, well, I hadn't seen before. Um, but uh, for where I'm at, I'm thinking, hey, all the ships that I have serve a purpose. And I, I you know, except for all my luxury ships, like we, we said just a moment ago, Griff, but um, at the end of the day, if CAG releases another ship that is that, that can fit the vein um, of what we're trying to accomplish in the verse, then it's for me, it's considered, right? So um, it could go either way. You know, you know, some some ships you might, we might end up passing on as the game um, progresses, and you know, I think we'll maybe talk about this down the road in the show a little bit. But um, you consider the fact that some of the it, all all <laughs> all the ships that are available to buy now are also earnable in the game, right? Yep. So you know, when you think about that piece, you know, I wonder how many uh, buyers, you know, myself included, you know, just in the hype of things forget that that's a possibility, right? Mm. That you can actually spend UEC in the game to get those bigger ships, medium-sized ships, those small ships. And so uh, maybe that change changes how someone spends in real life money. So right let now- me, let, me, let, me, let me challenge you on that. Do you think that that's uh -oh. a reality for players? In other words, does, does CIG kind of have that out there, but the reality of it is they know how much we are a instant satisfaction society and group of people. And even oh, though yeah. we keep hearing that you can rent or you can buy, they really know that there's a certain percentage of us that we're gonna spend money, even even though you tell me that. Listen, like, I, I was telling somebody the other day, like my, my area of, of, of expertise is in behavioral finance, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you think about how CIG has uh, placed their marketing of their project and how their pricing structure is um, and what they give access to at certain times. Mm -hmm. That's always the case. They'll always take a dot, like what's the motto? Like take a dollar today, you know, before, mm -hmm. you know, before you take a dollar tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. Cause it's in hand right now. And so they, they, it's easier to say, yeah, it's all possible, but 
when I hold it out in front of you for X amount of dollars and you compare it to the packages and you compare it to standalones and you're looking at this deal, you're saying, yeah, uh, okay. Okay. You know, and the fact that the store doesn't rotate as much, right. You, you might right. have, you miss a sale and the next time you might see a ship, you might see it in November, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is some, um, s- scarcity to where, uh, to, to how CIG markets the deal and to how we respond to it. And so, um, you always, <laughs> you always have that option. And I don't think CAG is going to say no to a dollar today. They're just going to say, Hey, this is what it is. You want to buy it here. It is right now. And, uh, but also remembering the fact that as educated consumers, we have to say to ourselves, all right, like if I do spend a dollar, like how does it benefit me tomorrow? Right. Yeah. So that's where that value exchange happens. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I totally agree. Griff. I mean, the, the CAG, CAG has done a fantastic job and I know we'll, we'll talk about, um, some of their <laughs> revenue. <laughs> milestones uh later on but that is uh it's a big deal i think the community today is who understands that like that's what cig's marketing towards today there's going to be a larger audience years from now that may not be so interested in in buying backing for those ships Mm. and actually rent them and earn them in game so there's we're theory crafting again right we're talking (laughs) about you know what percentage of players is cig counting on buying this stuff but Mm. What's the audience today? What's the audience going to be three years from now? And we've yeah. seen explosive growth in the last year, year and a half too. Like, yeah. look at yep. their, look at how much money they've raised. You know, it's in, it's insane how fast they're moving. So, mm-hmm. who knows what that'll look like in the near future? Well, you know, two points to that is, um, and talking about just how much money they made recently. Um, I brought in four people to the free flight event that recently happened. And with all of the bugs that we were experiencing in 3.9, I was fairly convinced that when the free flight was over, they were going to just laugh at me and go, ha, 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 enjoy that. <laughs> uh, but no, each and every single one of them bought. And in fact, mm. one of them got a starter ship and then got their hands on a Carrick and then got their hands on a Prospector and uh, then a Hornet. And I was just like, whoa. Um, but you know, the next part of that was, uh, Griff, a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, made a comment to me one time that I thought was actually rather insightful, which is, you know, at my age, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, I have more money than time. Mm-hmm. And so I would rather spend the money on purchasing a ship like an 890 or an mm-hmm. Orion or Polaris or whichever, rather than spending a substantial amount of my time trying to grind for that ship. Because... Mm-hmm. I have a real life job. I have a family, I have four kids, I have a wife, and there's things that I have to do that I want to do in my life that aren't involved in Star Citizen. So part of purchasing these is a convenience for myself. In addition to that, frankly, one, I, and I believe everybody here from the looks of, of everyone can afford it. And we're choosing to back this this product. We we all understand that this is an alpha. We all understand that this is subject to change. We all understand that there's no guarantee they could shut the doors tomorrow and say, "Sorry, guys." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? That's our choice. So I know, <laughs> but you know, it's it's. Uh, but I do have faith in the product. I do have faith in the project as well. I think that this is something that's extremely important for the industry. Um, video games went from being uh, something kind of like movies where it was done for the art, right? Mm-hmm. Where now it's how much can we bleed out of people? I mean, all of the the comments about 
Electronic Arts, you know, the new Star Wars game they've got coming out. And the first thing that comes out of everybody's mouth is, okay, well, what, I'm going to pay you 60 bucks for the game and I get an X-Wing, but I got to pay another 50 bucks for an engine? You know, how does that, how's that going to work, you know? So mm -hmm. I think that this, you know, somebody who actually builds a game that has depth to it, that has been really well thought out is very necessary for this industry. And I believe that a lot of the negative publicity toward this game is fueled by the simple fact that it is a threat. I was going to say something to your point, Loic, is that, and I want to compliment all of the guests that are here today because I, I know these guys for a little while, some a little longer than others, but I know they're all fairly intelligent. Uh, they seem to be good family men. Uh, they seem to be very responsible. And one of the things that I that always bothers me when people talk about people investing so much money in the game is, this, is if people are doing it frivolously or that they're not paying attention to the details or we're not paying attention to when CIG messes up or doesn't follow through, right? And I know for a fact that all these guys watch these shows every week. They keep up with all the data, all the information. So they're educated about the investment and the backing that they're doing. And I don't want to use the word investment because people will, that'll be the wrong term. It is backing, but it is an investment in the sense of the support that they're doing for the dream and for the game. And I think that's probably for those of us who've gamed any length of time. I don't know if I'm the old man in the room, but I've said this story before. I was gaming back when there was Pong, right? I mean, just two paddles and a dot on the screen. So I've been gaming a long time and I've seen gaming go through all of its cycles. I've seen it go through everything. You mentioned about the 286 XT Tandy. We can name every machine we want to. We can go through every console we want to, and we can come back to the reviving of the PC, right? But I've never seen anything like what we're seeing now. And my attitude is, is with all the stuff that's out there and the way the gaming industry has been over the last decade, maybe 15 years, I'm willing to take the risk on a possibility. For me, this is like if George Lucas says, hey, I'm going to start a new movie. Does anybody want to back me? There'll be plenty of haters out there to be like, ah, all your movies suck. But I guarantee you there'd be a bunch of other people that would be willing to open their wallets up and say, look at what George Lucas did in the past. Are we willing to take a chance on him again? So as far as I'm concerned, that's why one of the reasons why I am motivated to support the game. And you're right. Some of us don't have the time let me say this too. Do you guys feel that because you have all these ships, it gives you any great advantage in the game play-wise? Because you mentioned the advantage of play-time-wise it giving you some advantage. But do you no. feel gameplay-wise so it gives you There's so much more to upgrade. There's not enough time or money to upgrade all the components and all those ships. It's, it's impossible. Mm. Well, but also, I mean, not just that point, I mean, which is a really fair point. Um, you need crews. I mean, we're going to be able Thank to put you. computer blades yeah. in there and that's going to do some stuff, but it's not going to be as good as having a human behind it. And I mean, looking at my fleet, the majority of it is, is, um, is multiplayer ships. Mm -hmm. And, um, in fact, Griffith, one of the stages I can't wait for this game to get to when the carrot came out, um, myself and a, and a mutual friend of ours wanted to go homesteading in the Carrick. Mm -hmm. We're waiting for that to be, you know, a very realistic option because my, the self challenge that I want to do is how long can I spend mm. away from any major city mm -hmm. in any space station and function out of this ship. Um, and when the game comes out, hypothetically, again, you know, theory craft, but that's going to be a thing. And you're going to need people to crew those ships and people who become experts on those ships. And they're going to make money by crewing those ships so they can buy their own stuff in game. Yeah. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, what's the highest single player ship in the game? 
Is it something like the uh, Eclipse that runs around 300 bucks? the Bomber? I want to say that's the highest single-player shit. What else is? What are you saying, Seer? Like, if you really are bold, you can technically solo retaliator. Yeah, but that's the yeah, but that's risky. As, as right. the bomber module. As the bomber. But, 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 it, but it is a multiplayer ship, though, right? So I'm, I'm talking yeah. about single-player ships. I think that, that's think it, that's right? the Glaive. The Glaive is three. The Glaive. Okay, the Glaive. Okay, that's so fair. that's the highest you can go in a single-player level right and, and have some form of enjoyment after that you are dependent upon other players and besides that it doesn't difference if you make if you have 100 ships or 50 ships sitting there guess what we can only fly one at a time so the the advantage is not the advantage that people try to superimpose over the game that well you've got all these ships you have an advantage yeah if i've got a freaking yep. idris i can't are you serious the operating cost the people everything else i mean that's not some great advantage to play in the game you know well, so there's I want to also just the that. And drinking in that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also this consideration too over the fact on what how do you define advantage, right? In a, yeah. in a sandbox, like what what does you know if, if I if I define I think part of advantage is how you have to define success, right? Mm -hmm. So you know if if somebody's version of success is you know a whole bunch of luxury yachts and being able to sit on those all day and, and drink to mm -hmm. your heart's content, which I know that Scar and I would be doing a lot of. <laughs> um, or you can say that, you know, the, the success in the game is being able to, um, uh, what's, the, what's the big thing, uh, take over a bangle, right? Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. to, you know, um, take over a system or something like this. You know, so my version of success and your version of success, if they're different, how does how do you then set an edge with right. two different, you know, veins? Um, so r really, I, I think that it's, it's just, you know, you, you buy, what I've always said is in the, any ship that I buy is um, you, you buy the ship that fits your goals inside of the game. You know, mm -hmm. um, when, when you talk about homesteading or mining or luxury ships or and sitting in those or this kind of deal, you get the ships that make sense. Um, and I do know, I, I know that, you know, we just talked about how you could spend that UEC to do it. And many times you'd rather pay the money right now, um, not putting us in a compromising position, but money that we're okay to say buy to in order to put it in to this project. I'm with you, Griff. I wouldn't really call it an investment, right? Um, there's vehicles for that, but um, we, we, we back this game so that because we believe in it and at the end of the day when we open up our hangers and we look at all the ships that we have it's how we how um those ships represent our connection to the project and how we want to use them and if i play for an hour a week or six hours a day um it's all worth it to me because these are my ships this is my hanger and this is what the project meant to me and i think that's the one thing that's led to star citizens success right mm -hmm. because they position this game in a way that you could craft the life you want inside of the verse whatever you want to do it's right. it's available to you you know so i think that is that's a big the great thing it. about it it's just this but, open yeah. do whatever right like yeah. you you're like you say what is success for you for me it's hanging out with friends and drinking mm -hmm. and then for other people it's taking over that bangle so um yeah that's that's what's great about this thing is, is it's different for everybody. Yeah. Do you feel that there's a pay to win aspect to this? What is there to win? 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, really, <laughs> don't understand. What, well, what I'm, just, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just throwing these out here because these are some of the things that people associate that, to when you, you're buying all you these ships. Made, it's, you set a bomb off my head, like something <laughs> just like snapped when you said that. I don't get it. There's I mean, no, there. I don't get it. If you buy a three thousand dollar javelin, you're like, haha, I've won the game. Congrats, you want a big spaceship that needs so many people to crew it that you're gonna be miserable because uh -huh. you're not gonna be able to fly it, and you're gonna have no money to do absolutely anything else in the verse. Well, I, I salute you, fellow citizen, for buying a javelin and saying it's pay to win. Like, oh my god, pirates every five minutes. You know, it's it's. Uh, you know, I, I was going to, uh, to your last question really quick, I hope it's okay if I back yeah, up absolutely. for a second. Um, one of the things that um, that uh, I think people should realize, especially anybody who criticizes whenever you've bought so many ships and whether you have an advantage or whether it's pay to win, is at some point we're supposed to be able to give people permission to enter hangars, is my understanding. Right. And one of the reasons why I own the number of ships I own is because I have friends who are less fortunate, who don't have the money to invest or really don't want to invest the mm. amount of money that I've invested in this game. In addition to that, I have kids who are interested in playing this game. So every one of my kids gets one ship. They can pick <laughs> one ship within a certain price range. And after that, they get access to the hangar and they can take whatever they okay, want. What out. kind of limit is that within a certain price range? What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that? I want the <laughs> really? <laughs> so, so in all fairness, my, my, my five-year-old fell in love with the poster of the Super Hornet that I've got on the wall <laughs> somewhere. And so I, I've actually been working to find him a Super Hornet uh, uh, for his for his game pack because i figure by the time the game's out he'll he'll be old enough that he can fly a little bit and at least piss <laughs> off a few people and <laughs> or another um and then my my uh, 16 year old wants a uh a, a banu defender so i was like all right you know we, we can we, we we can do something like that but one that's it Not yeah. two one and 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 wing uh wing breaker to your point yeah there are to a certain point people say there's there is an aspect of pay to win i think what disqualifies pay to win at least within Star Citizen, is the fact that it's a sandbox and there is no win in the game. There is no win. And this kind of lends itself back to what Tenth was saying, is that when you're playing the game, what is the thing that is most satisfying to you? Just because you win a battle does not mean you have won, because winning usually means an in-game aspect, something that accelerates you toward the completion of a game that other people don't have the opportunity to do. And so... The thing that Chris Roberts and CIG are saying is that the fact that we make everything available to people in the game, that people can still earn an, a Hornet, or they can still earn, a, and, and some of us have seen this. We, I've seen people in a freaking Aurora LN take out people in Hornets. I've seen it. It happens. <laughs> the, 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 they are skilled fighters. They know, they understand how the game plays. And I've seen them take out a Constellation. Uh, there's a huge amount to this game that is based on skill more than it is, um, you know, what the equipment is you buy. And and to your point, Scarrow, you talked about how long it would take you to upgrade ships. Like right now, everything's testing, right? But we don't know what it's going to take to do upgrades later on. Or when your ship is destroyed, they've alluded to this. When your ship is destroyed, the, the bigger your time. ship, the longer the claim. In fact, mm -hmm. if you have too many claims, the insurance might have to, you may have to pay additional premiums or monies. There's a whole lot of dynamics that they haven't plugged into yet. Um, and so to operate some of these ships, as you mentioned, uh, Loic, to take them out, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be, I need 10 people. Yeah, I can put a few blades in and some AI, but that's not going to be as responsive. Can I tell the AI to leave the gun turret and run downstairs and replace the engine that's about to catch on fire? 
I doubt it, you know. So there's going to be so many dynamics to this game that we still are, we're taking a chance. We are taking a chance on, you know, what CIG says they want to be able to do. Some of this is new territory. All right. Without further, you can almost draw parallels though to uh, every ship being its own like DLC in other games, where you're just yeah. unlocking more content, more stuff to do. Yep. But the great thing is, is you can unlock that in game, or you can you can pay for that DLC now and or pledge for it and, and uh, have access to that content now. For us, we're technically testing it, right? We're figuring mm-hmm. out what works and what doesn't work, and we're we're watching the progress of the project transition that's why we're here that's one of the reasons why we're here is to see that happen so yep. yeah i think it's yep. a great parallel that that this is almost like having a dlc like if you're going to have an info runner or if you're going to have a multi-crew ship with turreted blades and things like that those are that's all content you get to unlock and it doesn't mean you're going to win anything there's like seer said earlier there is no win it's just a matter of getting in there and doing stuff and i'm glad there's you emphasize that it's a social game he that's did. What this is about. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm glad you said that, Scarrow, about testing, because that's still something that gets missed out on. I know it's very easy to drift into playing the game, and we all do enjoy doing yep. that. But I've also noticed over the years that there is, it seems like we're kind of going back to that. In the beginning, people kept didn't get the testing thing, and now it seems like we're kind of slipping back into that thing where everybody wants to play the game. I don't, it, you don't hear those conversations about people wanting to test, you know. Uh, and I and I can understand that. Believe me, there are some people who just want to come in and play. Uh, they get frustrated. They leave. Some people just want to see the latest thing and they leave. Then there are some people who literally go in there and still make tickets out. Right. They go in and test the game uh, or write comments in the forums. And those are the things that they're asking us to do to help expedite getting the game completed. So I'm glad you mentioned that because testing does get kind of lost, you know, in the process of this. We hear about the alpha aspect of it, but we are part of that whole testing process. And Seer, to your point, you mentioned about the social dynamic. Can you talk about that just a little bit in the sense of that? So when, okay, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he emphasized the fact that he wanted this to be about us interacting with people. Necessarily, you can do this game by yourself, but this is more of a social aspect that he encouraged you to go out and be with other people and go have fun, which is why there's a huge emphasis on multi multi crew ships multi role ships and that if you go alone then i mean you can but it will behoove you to go out with somebody else because you never know where you're going to run into because once they get rid of armistice zone and sure the law system is going to be there to help alleviate some actions that could get you killed but it nothing is going to be set in stone someone could still pull out a firearm and blast you in the face like so just Go out with somebody else. Don't just go out by yourself unless you absolutely want to. Then, I mean, who's to say no? Don't, like, go out by yourself. But you get what I'm saying. Yep, absolutely. Okay, let's go ahead and transition over to Skyro, Um, And uh, let's talk a little bit about this. And some of you guys can chime on this as well. Skyro has a unique uh, way that he's been able to build his fleet uh, over time. Skyro, why don't you give a little bit of enlightenment on how you've kind of done both the cash and gray market and so fill them in on how, how what's been your process a little bit there so yeah i mean my process has been i like it i buy it no i'm just playing um, <laughs> i started back uh with i don't know a mustang and uh really quick upgraded to a freelancer and really just love the game um i for me star citizen is the game that scratches that itch like there's I love the game, but I find very few games 
that uh, keep my attention. Like, I want to play this. I want to keep playing this. I want to be involved with this. So very early on, I found that the community is what kept me engaged. Like, the friends I've made in Star Citizen um, have kept me here day in and day out. I am hanging out with these guys Monday through Friday, sometimes on the weekends, all the time. We're, we're always chatting. We're always doing things, whether we're in-game or not. But because of my connection to the community, you know, if there's a sale going on, then then I'm aware of it. I've heard most of you guys say I took a break at some point. Well, I, I never did that. So I've been here. I've seen all the sales. I've seen all the value buys, you know, the game packs and the concept ships and things like that. So, um, in fact, when the game itself was kind of in a lull, like you didn't really want to get in and test because 3.0 is out and... <laughs> it was rough mm -hmm. uh you know our game was you know sit back and how can we collect ships i mean right <laughs> like what's the best deals we can make who's mm -hmm. got what ccu you can trade and stuff like that and uh i think uh griff what you're getting to about how i've kind of been able to elevate to the legata status is, is we do we sit back like once you make it to uh space marshal or whatever you can you really have a lot of currency to fluctuate you can melt a bunch of stuff and then when the sales go on you can pick up a bunch of stuff you can melt stuff and then when other people are looking for things you can help them find those things um and we don't go out of our way to say buy for me buy for me buy for me in fact we go out of our way to say really you want to wait till you know november or whatever and here's a smart way to do it um but some people just they just want it now so mm. you help them get it and, and, and one of the things that I appreciate about it is that you've been able to keep it at the level where people, you're not exploiting it. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people in the gray markets, you guys have seen people on eBay, right? They'll be selling ships for two, three hundred bucks more than whatever the cost is. And, and I know that plenty of us have been in that situation where someone wanted to buy a ship. We helped them out. Maybe it was someone in your org or whatever. But the unique way he's been able to do it is build up his credit by doing that over time. And so that's it versus where some people might just spend all cash, boom, one time, drop 27,000, which we know there are people who have done that. And then there are other people who over time have per done purchases and purchases. Um, the picture that we have on the screen is not uh, his specific uh, fleet, but it is his fleet. <laughs> that is the picture of the Legatus fleet. And there are a lot of ships. The Legatus also gives more than just ships, right? There are other incentives and things in there right you got posters you've got other special items isn't that correct that come in that package i think it's a whole bunch of different things yeah there's a bunch of add-ons i mean because i didn't you know just drop and buy the legatus pack i've built my fleet over time which gives mm -hmm. you the, the badge um in fact my i've definitely got more of an a la carte sort of thing mm -hmm. and uh, i i like the fleet i have over what's available in the pack i mean mm -hmm. in some cases i have multiple things endeavor endeavor you got all the modules you got to have more than more. right 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 support what you got now did you so do this because you can only fly one ship at a time right but right. uh to um one of the points made earlier uh you know the whole goal is that i started to build my fleet up when we were you know as part of our social aspect i want to let my friends use what they can't get like mm -hmm. i want to be able to grant permissions for people to take these things as needed. Mm -hmm. um, but a little advice to people, everybody's just gonna wanna buy their own ships. Nobody's gonna wanna fly yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in time. <laughs> it sounds really good, but no, yeah. but everyone's just gonna wanna do their own thing.
Now let me ask you this too, Scar, because you're in Vector 27. Was there an aspect of, is the org tied to this in any way? In other words, were you doing this as one of the leaders of the org? Was it kind of like, I'm also kind of doing this as a way to support the org? Or is it just strictly, this is just your baby? And, you know, if if you want to share, that's fine. What's kind of your attitude with it? Oh, no, no. I, it's, it's something that multiple people do. In fact, I encourage people to go to other members of the org to do it because mm -hmm. I don't really want to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, we all sat back. We all played this game, this game of collecting these JPEGs while we were hanging out and socializing, right? So we mm -hmm. have access to things um, that some people want. We don't have access to every single thing as, as an individual, but maybe, maybe somebody else in the org does. Um, and a lot of what we do is just word of mouth. We don't have like a gray market store or anything like that, but we just, right. we're just social and people who say, Hey, I'm looking for this. We, we help them find it. So, and over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of people looking for stuff and it's, it gets a little worrisome sometimes. And I've asked a few people like, your finances are good, right? You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> not putting you out on the street, am I? And stuff like that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, let me ask you this, guys, because all of you guys have some pretty, really nice fleets. Uh, if there was a career area that CIG could come up with that you haven't seen yet that would make you spend more money. In other words, you know, not, not some new fighter because there are plenty of fighters. But is there some career area that if this popped up? you'd be like, I'd be down for dropping a few more bucks. Is there any area in particular that you think Star Citizen could uh, step into career-wise? Sadly, I can answer this. Um, so <laughs> uh, some kind of an engineering. I, I, I am hoping, uh, because we have quantum drive in Star Citizen, which I equate to impulse drive in Star Trek, right? You can, you can do a trip around the block in your solar system in a fairly short period of time. Um, however, to go from system to system, you're depending on wormholes. Um, would it be cool to be one of the first orgs to develop the equivalent of a warp drive so that you can actually point the ship from the soul system to Stanton and say, go that way and actually get there? Whereas today, that's really not an option. You have to go from wormhole to wormhole to wormhole and daisy chain your trips. Okay. Cosmic Trader says a flying saucer. <laughs> if they put a flying saucer into the game, I'd take the ship from Forbidden Planet. I swear I would. I'd, I'd buy that sucker in a heartbeat. Is there any other career you guys can think of or any type of ship that you would still spend some money on? Yes, there is one. I would like an actual... Uh, I don't know how many people would actually buy this, but I would love... We don't have a repairing... I mean, excuse me. We don't have a, a, a true rearming ship. Like, mm. we have... We have repair, we mm -hmm. have refueling, but we we have salvaging. We don't. We just don't have a true rearming ship, and not that we actually like need a real rearming ship. But there's something I would I like a when I say like we all know the Vulcan does it, but I'm saying like a profession, like the mm -hmm. actual professional one. Like you have the Vulcan that can do a little bit of everything, but then you have the ones that are the actual professionals, which right. is the ones that are the best at the trades. Anyways, I digress. I like the use of drones, and I would love to see more drones, but I would mm -hmm. like to see a something the size of a hammerhead or maybe a Nautilus that is a drone utility boat that is designed to actually assist other larger ships like a Polaris mm -hmm. or a, a hammerhead or a, something of that size that is actually a logistical boat. Mm -hmm. That's what I would like to see. So like repair on the fly while we're in the middle of combat. 
I mean, I'll just take the crucible, but I mean, so a drone boat. I like a to see a drone boat. boat. And Eve, I love drones. Yeah. I was the one, I forgot, I, I was the one that had the Tech 3 cruiser and mm -hmm. modded it all out from Galente and just use drones, use sentry yeah. drones and like Same go here. get them. Yeah. Just orbit little cans so they can't freaking hit me since I'm so freaking small. Like I was that guy. So I, would I like, like to see something with more drones added. I like the idea of your, your, your uh, rearming ship too. Uh, where maybe, you know, if you could land that thing. I'm, I'm thinking of the picture of the M2 or the C2 where you see all of the armaments outside of it. I would love to see a ship like that that could really fully stock a ship like that. You know, that could arrive and reload ships without them having to go back to a carrier or a base. That would be, yeah. I never like thought about Orion something like that. deployment vessel. Wow. Basically, yeah. yes. Yeah. That uses drones to do That'd the heavy lifting for it. That'd be amazing. Black Intellect suggested something that I was thinking about, which was something toward farming and agriculture. Um, I know we've got this whole thing with us having plots and lands, and eventually we're going to have bases. But to also be able to have some form of farming or something is definitely something I think. You know, I just always throws me back to my old stories about Star Wars Galaxies, how there are people who, some people say, farming, are you kidding me? Guarantee you there'll be somebody out there in a tractor freaking every day, and that's all they want to do in the game if you put it in there. So. Yeah. I would love to see some. Do you think like we that. have enough land for that? I <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. The planets are only one sixth the size. It might yeah. Not be big good enough. question. Yeah. <laughs> Tenth, anything from you the, that you uh, see, or Scarrow? Anything in particular that you all would love that, that you would actually spend money on if they were to come up with it? Base building in mm. space. Ooh. Satellite type space of thing. Station. Real Pooty, Edwarden, yeah. thank you. Proxtelius, I'm sorry I didn't get to say thank you to you guys for the follow. Thank you for the follow. So you're looking at something like an orbital in some type that they could be built? Or deep yeah. space. Org-owned yeah, or person-owned, Skyro? Which What are you thinking? Always org, always org. Org-owned, okay. And that yeah, could I happen. To, I, I have to go with, I mean, and, and this wouldn't be, like, my. this could very well happen once we see uh, Tony Z's, like, Quanta come to fruition and all that kind of development stuff. But I'm... At this point, I'm more interested in um, the financing aspect of playing the game, the trading aspect. Um, not like the hauling of materials or, you know, how you might, you know, arbitrage, you know, money or arbitrage their commodity from this system over that system. Uh, so what do you want to sell a Brinks, a floating Brinks truck or something? What are you talking about here? Brinks truck. You... No, I, I think <laughs> in, in, uh, Major brought it up in chat. You th you're, th you're thinking about real estate. You know, um, mm. how can you actually, you know, microtext behind me, like uh, New Babbage. Um, how how can someone buy and build uh, something like that uh, where you can rent out office space or rent out mm. habitations or rent out, you know, you you name it, you know, yeah. how can you actually build um, forms of, uh, or how can you become a slumlord, a, uh, a slumlord yeah. basically? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, you know. Wow, wow. <laughs> uh, but more so like bringing in, um, you know, let's say that somebody is, you know, that finished goods, you know, you, you got your orgs that are, you know, transforming all these minerals into you know whatever they're going to be used for and then they make moby glass variants you know how can an org you know maybe produce their own version with mods i, I don't know you know um but something that allow the player to participate in the economy for, for developing something like a yeah stuff like that like think things that can kind of just build out some of the loops and so for me it's not seeing another ship 
um certainly if something can aid in that respect of course mm -hmm. but um yeah like scar was saying you know you have the, this this industry piece the science piece um this manufacturing piece yeah. um, and then this kind of front you know this front business office piece um that bring that all together to create some kind of org business you know a lot mm -hmm. of orgs are kind of focused around you know some of that industry piece like mining or your paramilitary groups um or you know security or you name it mm -hmm. um but what about orgs that are focused on you know or orgs that have veins inside of it that can focus on this particular aspect of just you know financing do a little bit and, more than real estate right like exactly you know, exactly but we operate a business out of here and we have perfect projects and things like that going on. that's cool but then you also you also think about too how if an org raises enough capital what does that mean for investing in other orgs i know eve eve has a um has a stock system inside of it you know so you you might you know offer shares of your startup org to you know another org or another person financier that can help boost your capital to do whatever you're going to do, whether that's industry or um, whatever your org sets out to do, whatever you set out to do in the beginning, how can you find financiers or, or that, the money to do that? You know, those are the things I'm really interested in and kind of, and that's kind of going back to your point, Scaro, like that's that social aspect. You're not going to find that like without playing the game with other people, you know, right. like it's, you're not going to sit on a ship and expect to get all that stuff done. You know, it's going to mean, um, networking a little bit and Pretty sure uh, I thought I saw that on the pledge store. I think we can just buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You know what? I am going to go back to something that, uh, Dr. Mysteria and Co cosmic mentioned cosmic said space cows, right? Raising space cows. And, yeah. and Dr. Mysteria talked about, uh, animal husbandry. And this actually has come up in relation to this fauna that we saw a couple of weeks ago with these creatures that they're creating in game someone actually made a joke and i think it was somebody in test we were talking and they were saying what if you were to capture that crab thing right and then take it to somebody's base and let it loose on another moon or planet right <laughs> um there may be some dynamic we know that the space cow is actually going to be a part of the economy system if you guys remember it's created to be this multi-use animal that produces not only all this milk but meat and byproducts is all it's it's designed genetically to be able to feed people so that aspect of agriculture farming could become a career in some form uh where we do have people who are whether it's transport or whatever moving animals or moving creatures back and forth what do you guys think would that be manufacturing goods from yeah. the byproducts of farming there yeah. you go yeah i mean that crab thing looked pretty scary i call it the nightmare crab that thing man uh yeah but who knows if that shell right if you kill that thing isn't have some great value in some form of armament or some special alloy. Who knows what could come out of it? They could have so many different ways they could out, do with that that's stuff. That's what they use on the uh, Banu ships. Yes. Or the, uh, the, 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 the Bandools do that stuff, right? The Don't they? Ships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, that's what they use. Yeah, it's yeah. Crab, crab shell. Okay. Well, listen, this a week. we're going to take a quick look at a video. These guys, and I, just so you guys will know, they, they've never seen this video. It just came out within the last couple of weeks, I think uh but it's about star citizen and it's a content creator who says yeah 300 million bucks but the name the game will never come out so we're gonna watch it together you guys watch it. and then of course we want to see what everybody thinks about it 
You've been working seven days a week, all year round, taking only a few holidays and being told constantly that your work needs to be changed. Two guys on your development team have had to quit due to almost having mental breakdowns. You're working on what could be the greatest game the world has ever known, perhaps the most complex game ever created. Well, partly created, because every time you get close to finishing just one part of the game, you're told it's just not right. In fact, you're starting to feel like you're looking for a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow, chasing your own shadow, being asked to believe in something that doesn't actually exist. This is the story of the most expensive game never created. First of all, modern video games are very expensive to make and they take a long time to complete. Here at the Infographics Show, we actually know a guy who spent years working on some very big video game titles. He had two nervous breakdowns in those years and said developing video games was the most stressful environment he'd ever worked in. We guess making games sounds like a really fun job, but trust us, playing them is not like making them. So you have these big teams of developers working really long shifts and going out of their minds. They need to be paid a fair bit of money for this, and then after that you've got marketing and packaging and office space to pay for. You might have a team of say 150 core people to make a complex game such as Grand Theft Auto, and they might be working on it for three to four whole years before any cash comes back. Grand Theft Auto V is estimated to have cost anything from $139 million to $270 million to make. The good news is it also made tons of money for its publisher Rockstar Games. That was to the tune of about $6 billion in total revenue. The game Destiny cost about $500 million to make, and Market, which is more than any movie that's ever been made. Okay, so it can be costly to make a game, and of course it's a big risk, and it certainly paid off for Rockstar with their Grand Theft Auto franchise, and we reckon Nintendo with its Super Mario franchise has a bank full of billions in gold coins. But imagine this for a second. You're spending years and years on a game you and lots of overworked, stressed out Adderall-eating developers, and you just can't finish the thing. It's like the search for the Holy Grail, but not quite as exciting. Maybe a better comparison would be quarantine with a computer. The game we're talking about is called Star Citizen, and its story is mind-blowing if not confusing. You see, back in 2011 when this game got off the ground, it did so only with the help of the public. It had raised $2 million in crowdfunding by 2013. And the bosses said, okay, now we can start. Developers start writing code. And that was seven years ago. And you know those guys, the ones that lasted, are still at their stations, no doubt now on an Adderall drip. The team of guys in charge of making this game belong to a company called Cloud Imperium. They've been busy getting more funding, and believe it or not, they're now at around $328 million. That makes it the most expensive game ever in terms of development. The game Destiny might have cost around $500 million, but that was the full shebang. There was tons of money on marketing and packaging, and Destiny's creators actually said the production alone was not even close to $500 million. And Destiny is actually finished, which is quite important indeed. So we have Star Citizen, right now the most expensive game not ever made but never made. We're going to go into details about the game itself, but we'll tell you that it's in the space trading and combat simulator genre of games, meaning you'll be flying around in space, shooting things and buying things. Did we ever tell you this amazing fact? Space is a big place, like really big. There's a lot to work with if you're trying to make a space game seem realistic. Let's say there are around 2 trillion galaxies in the universe, and each of them holds millions and millions of stars. Then you've got a star system like our solar system, and that itself is pretty big. 
but we hear that Star Citizen wants to create 100 star systems. Maybe that's just too ambitious. We think you'll soon find out that it is. That's kind of the whole problem these guys are having making this damn game. Just how big do you make space when you're trying to make the best space game ever? How perfect do you make it all? There have been investors sinking millions into this game, but the majority of the cash, over $250 million of the money, has been crowdfunded. That's Joe Public putting in his hard-earned money into a game that can't seem to get finished. People are starting to say, well, if Rockstar could blow your mind and do a GTA title in three years, then surely Star Citizen is not just literally going to be out of this world, but figuratively too. Almost a decade on a game. Surely they've got something really special already, or maybe not. There are people out there that think Star Citizen won't be that mind-blowing at all, and the money has all been virtually vaporized. Those critics, and we're reading one right now, say there is no holy grail. They say Star Citizen is a chimera, the game version of Kaiser Soze. Others say it's a scam or it's just been very badly managed. We have no idea. Don't shoot the messenger, we're just telling you what we've read. This is how one reporter put it. Star Citizen has become the lightning rod for controversy, with several entire forums worth of people dedicated to forensically dissecting every tiny detail, rumor, or allegation surrounding the project. The thing is, that report was made almost four years ago and the game still hasn't been completed and the guys are still asking for more money. One thing might just be that the person at the head of the production team is a perfectionist, but you know, one of those perfectionists that can be quite hard to work with. Creating the perfect universe might not be so easy. More recent reports we found say the game has been mishandled, mismanaged, and working on Star Citizen has been chaotic. That's 537 employees working at five different offices, all being micromanaged by a perfectionist, and likely so overworked they haven't even been told it's 2020. They get paid well though, with $30 million being paid out in total in salaries in 2019. That's uh, quite a lot of cash for a game that hasn't been made and may never be made. Imagine you paid some construction company $300 plus million to build you an amazing house, and after 10 years they told you they still hadn't quite finished the bathroom toilet. We actually found out where some of the cash went. We found one graphics engineer who spent months on visual effects, but for a really small element of the game. A developer said he quit after spending 17 months on making characters and then was told to change them. He said this was going on all the time. Meanwhile, the company was spending lots of money on making demos so it could impress people and get more funding. The Enterprise was a money-making machine, but for the workers it was like being trapped in a Franz Kafka novel. Like going down a rabbit hole and getting lost in a network of confusing tunnels or being told to travel to a castle that's just impossible to get to. This is what one investor said after he saw where his money had gone and how far the game had got in terms of development. The game they promised us can't even barely run. The performance is terrible and it's still in an alpha state. I won out. They lied to us. He wanted his money back. This guy said that back in mid-2019 he was promised that the game would have 100 star systems, but guess what? When he looked at the alpha mode it didn't even have one fully completed star system. Hmm, not one star system in one entire decade. Let's do some math. 10 years, 1, 100, maybe the game will be completed around 2120. All of its fans will be dead by then or at least have grown out of computer games. Now check out why do games cost 60 bucks? Why hasn't the price of video games changed? Or are you playing the losing game, Fortnite vs Apex vs PUBG? Okay, so initial reactions if you have any. Thoughts? Well, so in short, I mean, your money's you know, down the, the drain, Loic. It's gone. Forget it. It is. It is. It's <laughs> gone, isn't it? I mean, 
I just uh, I just bought into Scam Citizen and they've enlightened me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you know, they had a couple of small facts wrong. I won't dive into that or small bits of their information was incorrect. You know, there's one thing that a lot of people aren't talking about when it comes to Cloud Imperium games. Um, when this was started in 2012, mm-hmm. or the funding started in 2012, not 2011, um, this was a mom and pop shop run out of somebody's garage, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Over the course of time, that company grew from being a mom and pop shop to a 500 person company. Now, there's certain things about disciplines in business that most people don't understand. And it doesn't matter how much I talk about this here because most people won't care. Uh, in the end, they people just like to ride a drama train. They like to grab onto a bandwagon and raise their pitchforks and feel like they're a part of something and be right. Um, so in business, you have several different types of people. And in the situation of Cloud Imperium Games, you had an entrepreneur, Chris Roberts, um, an entrepreneur who was a perfectionist who was able to get an idea off the ground. Now, most entrepreneurs have a fantastic idea and they have a lot of charisma, but you will very seldomly find entrepreneurs who are strong leaders. One of the things that I've seen as an example, and I I know people like this, I actually have a friend who's an entrepreneur. He runs a software company and his company has been stagnant for the past six years, going up and down, up and down. And the biggest challenge that he has is himself. He has a very difficult time letting go. Um, Cloud Imperium went through a number of very hard growing pains. And I think a lot of the stories we're hearing is where Chris Roberts was definitely micromanaging a 500 person company as though it was a 10 person company where Chris Roberts had to learn how to let go and he had to learn how to put leaders into positions where they could actually help him bring his vision vision to light. Um, leadership is very different from charisma. Charisma will develop an entourage and a following, but it won't get them anywhere. Mm -hmm. Leadership is a completely different thing. And you have to understand how to motivate those people, how to lead those people, how to manage morale. It's not as simple a process as many people think. And being a leader in the real world myself, one of the first things I had to learn was you know, I used to consider myself when I was younger, a natural leader. And the first thing I had to learn was there's no such thing as a natural leader. Leadership is taught. And so I had to accept to myself at one point in my career, you are not a leader, you're charismatic. Now let's see if we can turn you into a leader and use that charisma to your advantage. So getting back to CIG, I think that Chris Roberts had to get to a point to where he could accept the fact that he could not lead this thing or run this project on his own. He had to find staff who he could trust. They had to learn not only the leadership aspect of how to run this company, but they also had to learn, well, how to run a company. You have to put in uh, proper uh, disciplines in your, in how your IT development is done, source code control, uh, uh, development environments, performance testing environments, production environments. How do you want the system to run? What's the best technology to use? Who's making that decision? Do you have an architectural team? Um, I mean, just from from what we see today, from patch to patch to patch, 
I can see from an IT perspective, some of the mistakes that Cloud Imperium is still making, which ironically are the same mistakes my own employer are making. Uh, one of the things that development firms value the least is uh, continuous integration and configuration management. It's an overhead cost to a lot of companies because with CI and CM, you have a team that's in charge of disciplining how code is put into a system so that that code is properly checked in and makes it into the final release and it doesn't step on other code. Mm -hmm. My employer doesn't do it. And based <laughs> on how we see bugs come back mm -hmm. in Star Citizen, I'm willing to bet if they're not doing it at all, they don't have it very mature at this point. Mm -hmm. um, so it's always a development process. And so I would not be surprised if I would say, okay, they've been at this since 2012, eight years. Mm -hmm. Honestly, right off the first three or four years, yeah. it, it was it was the growing pains of a company. I mean, the entire first person shooter aspect of the game had to be scrapped and rewritten due to miscommunication between Cloud Imperium and the company that they had mm -hmm. contracted in uh, to do this simply because the scaling of the characters was incorrect. So they, mm -hmm. they couldn't use any, they couldn't even use the assets. Right. So they had to start all of it from scratch. So I mean, there's plenty to, to criticize if you really want to be a negative Nancy about it. Mm -hmm. But if you want to look at it realistically, you've got to understand that you have a man who's an entrepreneur, a very charismatic individual with his entourage, who was suddenly running a 500 person company with five separate offices. The mm -hmm. fact that he had the intelligence to realize that he needed to bring leaders into his company, people who really know how to, how to drive that vision speaks volumes because he could have been like many, many other entrepreneurs that I've personally met or that I've read about who would have held on to control up until that company completely went bankrupt. That's a good point. Um, he's had experience in that before he's you know he's learned from experience what works for him and what doesn't work for him and i think you're right i think that's what drove him to get the right people on board so i have something to add and i totally agree with both of you but um the best analogy i can give is that if you're american just think united states air force do you know how many how much of the air force actually flies just mm -hmm. bear with me <laughs> between 10 and 20% out of mm -hmm. all of the Air Force. CIG has 530-ish employees. How many of those are actually developers who are writing code and putting in game? Right. Let's just say 20%. So that's like what? 107 of them. Mm -hmm. Divide that by two because they're making two games. Around 50 people <laughs> are working on Squadron 42 and actually working on star citizen because they're making two totally different games which they failed to mention in that video somebody else put that out i'm just reiterating it and you're in the mm -hmm. chat somewhere thank you so you need to realize like don't get me wrong this is just a perspective there could be more there could be even less so i don't even want to think about that number but you need people need to understand that this is something brand new they built their own tools and they're doing, in my opinion, a good job at building their own tools. It may not be the tools that we want to hear. I know some people could care less about the terrain hype, uh, the terrain mixed with the shadows to give proper height and perspective. I know some people don't even care about Planet Tech V4. They just want gameplay loops. Mm -hmm. But those are two totally different teams that specialize in different things in general. Right. That's like me being, a, I'm an avionics man. 
by trait. I can upload software to an airplane. I can put classified codes on. I can remove and replace components. That's like saying, hey, sir, I need you to go freaking uh, buck. <laughs> I'm like, I need you to go buck a rivet. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can buck a rivet, but is it going to be that good? No. Mm -hmm. Am I probably going to do managed to structure? Yes. Hey, sir, I need you to go change an engine. Um, I know the theory of an engine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know this is a, like, I know what type of engine, but. I've never done that. I'm not. I'm. I'm not an engine guy. I'm an avionicsman. I shock myself and swear and hit boxes until it works. That's my job. Why do you want me to do that? It's the same thing with Star Citizen. You can't compare just because you're a developer and you work on something doesn't mean necessarily that you interface with something else. There's so many different parts that have to formulate into one coherent, fluid, freaking, like, I can't think of the word, but just like one fluid motion to make this game work that they fail to mention in a video and that rockstar has been doing for years there's so many grand theft right. autos there's so many assets that they just take repolish mm. update it with whatever engine they use and throw it out like it's a baked good they don't have that luxury here in star citizen granted i'm not a developer at all but i'm just trying to think of this from a logical thing so i'm sorry if i'm wrong and i completely don't know what i'm talking about you're right <laughs> i don't but anyways <laughs> Like, there's just so many things that go into a game like this that, you're right, has never been done before. And the one thing I did learn from friends in the military is that when you have something good or you're doing something that's good for yourself, which is what Chris Roberts did, people are going to shit on you in general because they're mad at you because they don't have what you have. Everybody else in the gaming industry didn't have what Chris Roberts had. They, he did this from scratch off faith, off people that were his fans. Rockstar mm -hmm. didn't do that, and all these other games didn't do that. That's why they're freaking jealous. That's yeah. why what's his what's his face? Derek Smart was jealous because he made really not so good games. I've seen in action, and then <laughs> yeah. you know he mutes his he mutes his own community so people people don't realize how bad of a game it was because you just don't know what you're doing, I guess, or you just don't have the faith of the community because you just do so many poor choice making decisions. So when when you take look at these different perspectives, you can't just you can't just be for, like, don't get me wrong, I get frustrated too, but I can't whine or complain because, like, they happened in 2012, like, like these gentlemen said, they had to build it up from scratch. I don't even really classify that they really started making the game till roughly around 2015-16 timeframe was when they actually started getting the ball rolling because yeah. there wasn't that many people to work on the game. If they had the developers and the assets and everything that they did now in 2020... And they put that back in 2012. Sure, we probably will have had more of a game, but that's not the case. So, right. I mean, I, I do you guys agree with me? Do you disagree? Totally. With me? Am I, I missing mean, something? Yeah, you, you made that point. It's it's like if if uh, if they had had all of the discipline and the the corporate maturity that Rockstar Games has, and they had started this thing in 2012, I'd be willing to bet you we'd be playing it right now. You know, right. it's... I, I believe they've had the discipline because if you think about just as you brought up, and I've had this conversation with many people, other people before, they built the company up those first few years. But not only did they build it up at that time, they were de they were delivering demo modules, modules walked around mm -hmm. the hangar. They got all the way up to 2.5 mm -hmm. while they were building that company, 2.63 actually, before they really took that year off that drove us all crazy, right? We're mm -hmm. waiting, we're like, ah, what's going on? Uh, and they sat back and they built those tools and then they really, really started to deliver the game. So I don't think at any point in time that they really show that the only place that they're not disciplined is that scope. Yeah. That scope is what, oh, what gives them the <laughs> yeah. biggest problem. Right. But 
what they're delivering, I, I didn't mention earlier, but I'm in software development. And if you look at what they turn over every three months, every quarter, yes, it's delayed every now and then. The steps they're making, the improvements they're making quarter by quarter by quarter are fantastic. They're doing a lot and they have been very disciplined in that regard. So I think, I think they are disciplined. I think they always have been. Like I said, they delivered the entire time while they structured a company. And then they turned around and built the tools they needed. And those tools are great because those tools are things they get to reuse now. And they can start and things will get quicker and quicker and quicker. And we all know this. Now, the reason why I asked you guys this question, I wanted you to look at this video, is because I wanted to talk to people who have a vested interest in the game. You know, you're not the people who just dropped your 45 bucks and you pop in and out. Um, and I really wanted to get, you know, as, as, as objective as well as subjective opinion on it. There was something that stuck out to me. And that's why I asked you guys, what would you, would you still spend money before we looked at this video? One of the things that stuck out to me was this statement of we're, we're just the messengers. We're just telling you what we've read. Do you guys remember him saying that? Yeah, it's not because it's not because right. It's not because they dug into it or went and did interviews or asked CIG, "Can we come in and talk to you?" This was all based upon what they read, and the question at that point becomes, "Well, hello, bullet bullets, vodka, th and vodka. Thank you for following." Uh, you know where else they also messed up, Griffin? Mm -hmm. They quoted somebody from four years ago. I'm yeah. like, okay, that's old news. You're going right. to quote somebody from four years ago, not get <laughs> like when what what happened four years ago? We got. We were barely about to get three point uh, three point oh right or right or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no no shit. Four <laughs> years ago was a dumpster fire. Freaking Jared looked like Santa Claus because he refused to freaking shave his beard till three came out. So yeah, good job, good freaking job, guys. Right, great no, you're video. Absolutely right. No, and you're right. And and Sierra, you mentioned this earlier about when the company actually started, and they they don't. To make the comparison against Rockstar is the wrong thing to do, right? Rockstar was an established company, had its own game engine, yes. had a format that it was already, that was working very well for them. A Rockstar, we quoted this a couple of weeks ago, Rockstar's number was $265 million uh, back in 2012. Today, that would be the equivalent of $295 million. So Star Citizen is just hitting that number. But as someone mentioned earlier, they're building two games. You know, and I think that that's another factor that people don't talk about. People forget about Squadron 42. Everything is about Star Citizen. So there are a lot of things here uh, that we could be talking about. Regal Pudding and Dite. Is it Dato? Oh, oh. Appreciate the follows, folks. Um, Here's what I'll say too, Griff, sure before we kind of wrap this up or yeah. move on. Um, this is what you see here is kind of the, the burden of being a pioneer, right? Um, Every game that was mentioned as part of the uh, um, in the in the article or the video, the Grand Theft Autos, the Destinies, all those big name companies, um, you recognize that they're they're backed by publishing houses that are publicly traded, that have shareholders, that have deadlines to meet, and that have uh, really vested interests. So. If you're sitting there and a huge shareholder is like, you guys have been working on this game for X amount of years, it's time that I'm cashing in, right? Otherwise, you know, take it or leave it. Like this deal is going to be done in this X amount of time. Like that forces those game heads to say, you know what? Future creep out the door. Like whatever we have, we're delivering this in this time mm -hmm. frame. Push it out, right? That's why you get the same skin, like you said, Seer, the same skinned um, GTAs. You get the, with, with a different engine, you get the same skinned, Kind of destinies with new content or and then what they figured out a way around it well let's release the game and then 
scale down that crew, create a DLC, push that out and still get some residuals on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So what all of what star citizen has done, or I should say CIG has done is that it's been backed and it's been, it's been a growing pain for CIG. Scar, what you were saying earlier, like that was the 2014, 2012, all those, those early years were the formative years of the business, right? You had a guy who had a dream, who had done some production before, went to Hollywood, and now he's coming back and he's trying to figure out how do I make my dream fly, right? And you go from this little contingent to this big company. And we've said it on uh, uh, on the show, on our show before, 2027, like this is a, this is a indie company, an indie studio becoming big time. And when mm -hmm. you see people that have gone that way without having to take the traditional funding, without having to take the traditional models, without having to talk to the major players or kiss the ring or anything like that. Now everybody's coming through and saying, hey, who, who are these guys? What are they doing? You know, like this doesn't make any sense. They, they've eclipsed the entire budget of, of GTA, the entire budget of, of Destiny in X amount of time. Like what is this trash that they're producing? And the reason why a lot of people... Um, in, the, in those in those early days, uh, when I would see these articles or read these uh, or read these articles and see these videos, uh, it, it, it produces kind of a trigger, right? Like, oh man, why, how dare they, you know, you know, come at my game like that? Like, I'm invested. Like, I'm in. You know, you get. But now you're like, you know what? Let the let the project speak for itself. Yeah. Yep. Right? Um, there's there's a lot of us who are sitting here who know devs at CIG who are connected with people who work for the company that will tell you, yeah, it's hard, you know, it's a lot of work, but we believe in the project. And that's the number one thing to your point, Loic, if you can figure out how to motivate employees, right? And motivate people to work on a vision, to see it as their own ownership, right? They're going to work to see Shoot, it all the way through. It. Yeah. You know, you and, and, yeah. and that's what it, and now you got, you know, we, you have 500 plus employees who signed on to say yes to this, you know, a, a high percentage of which are uh, backers themselves, yeah. they have a vested interest, you know? So you can sit in the echo chamber and say, as we hit the milestones, 200, 225, 275, 300, 325, you can sit all day and say, this game's not being released, but that's exactly what happens when you um, pioneer, you know, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, uh, Star Citizen's gonna release the game. Every single dev we talk to, every connection we have inside of the, the, the office is say, we're going to get it. We just got to get it right, right? Mm -hmm. And to the point made earlier, development on the game didn't start until probably about five years ago. We had to switch. There was engines. I'm not a developer either, uh, Seer, but, like, I know there was talk about switching engines. There was a lawsuit. There was oh, people, God. like, all kinds of stuff that they were trying to, you know, navigate. And they've navigated all of it to get to this point where they're at right now. And to your point, Scaro, every single patch is progress. And you're seeing how they're delivering that on a consistent basis. Yeah, you got your delays and whatnot, but they're coming out with something and there's a release of these things. And now we get to see, hey, you know what? Let let this thing produce the results and it'll 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 silence the naysayers. And we don't have to defend the project because it's continually defending itself, right? So um you'll deal with the naysayers, you'll 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 see all that stuff, but at the end of the day, if we if we keep backing, I, I certainly, like I said before, like if there's a ship that comes out that makes sense for how I want to play the game, I'm going to purchase it, you know, because I still believe in the project. Let me jump in well, on that because I'm going to make two points because we're reaching our two hour mark and we sit here and talk all night. First question, 
to everybody. This is the craziest question in the world. You whales, you belugas, you freaking blue whales, wherever category you fall into. Is there anything in your melt that you still need to get out? <laughs> is there anything in your hanger melt that you need to pull out? If they were to tell you uh, July 1st, you cannot get anything else out of your hanger. Is there something in your hanger that you would pull out of there? Nothing I need, but I would probably pull out a Vanguard variant. I think okay. that's about the only thing I'm not sitting on that I could pull out. Argo SRV. That's the only thing I'll pull out. Argo SRV. Okay. Tenth? Uh, probably my Phoenix. I have my Phoenix in there. Loic? Ballista and an Ares. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a $250 Banu Merchant sitting in mine that I need to get out. <laughs> so that's my one thing nice. i got to do. Um, and the last question for you guys. If there's any advice that you guys would give to anybody who's interested in supporting star citizen uh tenth make it quick tell us what if there was something you tell somebody if you're thinking about getting into it or if you're already into it but you're thinking about doing a little bit more is there anything you would share yeah uh i, I would say find some people to fly with and 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 jump in you know i think it would be absolutely one of the deals where you got to keep playing to see how you like it you know um that's what i would say Cool. Scaro, what about you? Yeah, community. Make sure you've got good people to fly with. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're if you're going after a ship you want to buy or pledge for, make sure it's flyable. And, you know, wait until you can back for it in-game because backing for it with CIG is the best way to go, you know. Going and getting it from somebody else, you, you're losing out on those concierge perks. And you may think you're never going to be there. I seen tons of people say i don't care i'll never get there and then they get really close to that and then they're spending even more to get it and things like that like take your time there's no rush uh to get those things you want in game and i promise you somebody in your community has them and is willing to share with so mm -hmm. unless it's something you really really got to have just just take it easy there you go mm -hmm. pop circus and drycon thank you both for the subscribes we don't want you to think we forgot about you seer any words of wisdom? Um, take what you will from the brochures. Just make smart, sound decisions, and don't let the brochures make these false false perspectives around you. If you're going to buy a ship, I say buy one ship and wait on it and rent ships in game. Wait for free, uh, free flights or anniversary sales, mm. and just go from there. Yeah. Look, what about you? Uh, ditto what they all said. Um, and in addition to that, I'd say um, it's it's an alpha. Uh, alpha means that they're adding new features. The focus isn't necessarily on bug fixes right now. Um, that being said, they need our help. Uh, it may not seem like they're paying attention to us, but they are. Um, so get into the game. If you have a bug, repeat it, document it. Um, you know, Parper QA, repeat it three times and make a video of it. Help the project, uh, but just understand it's not gonna be perfect. And that's because we're not in the phase of squashing bugs yet. So come on in and have some fun with us. And if the server 30K is on you while you're hauling 1.4 million credits worth of stuff, we'll <laughs> uh, we'll find a way to help you uh, earn it back. <laughs> and they're seen it on that, have the t-shirt to prove That it. painful oh. thing that you would have to mention, right? <laughs> all the things that you have mentioned. Yeah, so even, are you saying that whales are susceptible to 30Ks? We don't get any exemptions at all from that? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. <laughs> That, that's awesome. Chief Mac, thank you for the follow. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's about it for this week, gang. Uh, we appreciate our guests who came on today, both 
Scarro from Vector 27 and Channel 27 News. Scarro, tell them real quick, get a plug in real quick for Channel 27 real quick. Or for Vector. Yeah. Please, no, Channel 27 News, please check us out. We're on uh, Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we'll see Tent there. Occasionally we see Griff over there. He does some hosting for us. Uh, great live show. We like to talk about current events. We like to get a little fun with it too, tell some jokes and uh, have a good time. But it's it's very, we try to keep it like a very uh, news broadcasty sort of thing. Got the guys sitting at the desk and everything like that. So if you haven't seen it, come check it out. Absolutely. And lastly, Loic, uh, Loic Ferris from Test Squadron, one of my brothers from my own org. Uh, Loic, tell them a little bit about you. You're on Twitch, right? You do have a Twitch channel, is that correct? I do have a Twitch channel, uh, Loic Ferris, just as the name spelled. I've also got a YouTube channel. Um, I, I dabble in there a little bit, put some how-tos or just some videos of our shenanigans from Test Squadron, which can be, uh, uh, well, interesting is a good way to put it. <laughs> Well, awesome. We really appreciate you guys being there. And I shared this with the guys earlier. Don't think there's any issue with the white guys on the right and the black guys on the left. We're all <laughs> brothers. Just so you guys will know, you know how we th we how we do on this show. We we really appreciate these guys being with us tonight. Uh, to see her intent as always. Good to see both of you guys. Um, always good. They're always great information. And to all you guys who hung out with us tonight on a Sunday night, we really appreciate you. As we go into the Fourth uh, of July weekend. Want to tell you guys to be safe, have a good time, take care of yourself, stay healthy, stay healthy. And um, yeah, other than that, we're going to probably see who we can raid uh, tonight. We have got, uh, ooh, there's somebody different we haven't raided before. Uber Nerd is on tonight. So let's see if we can uh, go harass him for a little bit. If you guys haven't seen Uber Nerd, he's the guy with the big beard and he has a good time in Star Citizen as well. Um, other than that, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us again. Take care of yourself. Peace, love, and soul. Have a good night, gang. Thanks.